This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every night at the same time. This program is designed to allow you to call in with your questions or make your Bible comments. That's why we call it Bible Crossfire. You can join in to the, get in the crossfire. What we mean by that is we're, we're willing to consider anything you have to say. The only rule is the Bible is what decides what the right answer is. The Bible is the key. You remember how we were growing up, you had some questions, but you could look in the back and get the key? Well, to any religious question, the Bible is the key. It's what gives the right answer. And many people who are believers, even, they don't really think the Bible gives the answers to these questions. They don't think God cares what you do in religion, that you just you just feel around and do what you want to do. You serve God the way you want to serve Him. It doesn't really matter what you believe and teach and practice in religion. That it does that God doesn't care. You just do it to what you want to do. Far from that. The Bible teaches that God expects us to believe, teach, and practice exactly what the truth says. We we read this passage a lot, John eight, thirty one and thirty two on this program. But it makes this very point that I'm making. In John 8, verse 31, Jesus says, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, or true disciples. We have a lot of people out here claiming to be Jesus' disciple, but they're not continuing in the word of Christ, so they're not really his disciple. And he says, If you continue in my word, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth is going to set us free from sin false religious teaching, just doing what we want to in religion, that has nothing to do with the way to get to heaven. You have to continue in the tr- God's Word, Jesus' Word. You have to know the truth and practice the truth in order to be saved by the God in heaven. Too many people don't think you have to do that. They just want to do what they want to do in religion and they don't really pay attention to exactly what the Bible says to do in religion. Peyton from Illinois, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. All right, thanks for having me. Uh, my question more pertains to the, the family aspect, and uh, me personally, inside of my family, uh, I, I've lost family members to uh, suicide or you know cancer and such. And I'm just wanting to know how do you keep faith through all of those tragedies, and how do you stay together through all of those tragedies together? Yeah, I, that's a good question, Peyton. But the main thing you have to do is trust God. You trust God and know that there's a better time coming. The the Bible says, for example, in Matthew 25, verse 46, at the end of talking about the judgment scene, at at the end of the world, it says, These shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. So we just have to trust God and know that the things in this life are far from perfect. But when we get to the next life, heaven, it's going to be totally different. I'm looking next, Peyton, at Revelation 21, verse 4, and I'm convinced this is talking about heaven. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So, Peyton, there's going to be a lot of bad things that happen in this life. Everybody's going to die. 
You know, the only two things that are sure are death and taxes, right? So we're going to lose loved ones. There's no doubt about that. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be like paradise. You're not going to have any more death or sorrow because people die or crying or pain. The, The pain of cancer, there's not going to be any of that. That's what we have to look forward to. So, Peyton, the main thing we need to do in this life is, and I know it's hard, it's easier said than done just to than to ignore all of these troubles that we have to go through. The main thing that we have to do is keep in mind, remember the, the old saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep in mind the main goal is to get to heaven and make sure that we're doing what the Bible says we must do in order to go to heaven. I might challenge you a little bit, Peyton. Are you doing what the Bible says to do to go to heaven? I'm trying my absolute best. That's good. That's what we have to do. Now, we have all these different preachers and churches out here teaching different things, Peyton. So try not to be deceived by any of this false teaching. Jesus said in Matthew 15:14, If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So make sure you're studying the Bible for yourself. And that takes diligent and regular study to make sure that you're actually following the truth. Because as I read earlier... Only the truth is going to set us free from sin, John eight thirty two. Just make sure right. of that, Peyton, okay? Yeah, I, I don't really like church a whole lot because you go to three different churches on the same uh, the same scripture, and they have three different meanings at the end of the day. And so I read the Bible for what it is. It's, it's just as far as like in this life, it's hard to maintain faith whenever life starts to hit you as you get older, you know, yeah. and, and maintaining that faith. Uh, to me, faith is a, a bridge that crosses from reality to being able to believe in God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you have to jump on that bridge in order to cross reality and your understanding of life in order to be able to meet Jesus. You know? Peyton, you know, you go to three different churches, they have three different meetings for the same text, but at least two of those meanings are wrong. And what's going on here is not that the Bible has all three meanings and that those verses are so ambiguous that there's three different possible meanings. What's going on here is that at least two of those people aren't really willing to accept what the Bible says. For example, Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, a lot of people get all kinds of different meanings out of that, but it's clear what the true meaning is. People are not willing to accept the fact that you got to be baptized to be saved. So they're just going to, they're just going to, come up with these all these different meanings. And when they do, they confuse people. But the Bible, in that verse, and many other verses, it means exactly what it says. It only has one meaning. Any last comments, Peyton, before I let you go? No, I, I really appreciate you having me, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call, Peyton. Peyton's what, his comment illustrates what we've been saying all along. That all these different preachers and churches, he says, well, they come up with three different meanings for the same verse. Why is that? Is that because the Bible, that God is not smart enough to write something that can be understood by men? Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, they come up with three different meanings. But Second John verse 9 says, whoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So we have to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved, but most people aren't wanting to do that. They want to switch what the meaning of what the verses say so they can live a certain way and not have to be responsible to what the Bible clearly says. Let me, let me illustrate this. 
First Corinthians fourteen thirty four and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. That's very clear. Obviously, women are not supposed to preach in the church service, according to that. You could say that has three or four different meanings, but all the meanings except the one that it actually says would be wrong. It's very clear. Yet 75% of all these different type churches out here in the United States will allow women to preach from the pulpit. It's not because the Bible's hard to understand. It's not because God is not smart enough that he can write something that we can understand. That verse is easy to understand. The reason you have all the different meanings is not because this verse is hard to understand. The reason you have these churches that allow women to preach from the pulpit is because they don't want to accept what the verse says. So they figure out a way to make this much more complicated than it should be. It's not complicated at all. Just believe what it says plainly and clearly and accept that. Yet churches don't want to do that. So they're not going to, they're going to come up with these different ways of getting around what this verse teaches. And it's this way on other topics too. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. Me bringing up this passage in relation to women preachers reminds me of what I was talking about last week. Is the Bible out of date? And people will say, oh yeah, we can allow women to preach from the pulpit today because what the Bible says about that in places like this passage in 1 Corinthians 14 and in 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, that's just out of date. The Bible's out of date. Now they say the same thing about gay marriage. Well, we know the Bible condemns gay marriage, but the Bible's out of date. <laughs> it was written 2,000 years ago. It's not applicable to our society. Our culture has changed, so today it's okay for gays to marry. Today it's okay for women to preach from the pulpit because what the Bible said back then, that was fine back then, but the Bible's out of date. Last week, though, we read Psalms 33, verse 11, which says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart, to all generations. So God's counsel is not just cultural in duration. It's not just temporary so that it only applies to that culture. But when culture changes, then, it, then the teaching, our practice should change. No, that's not the way the Bible is. The Bible was meant to be written and to govern for all time throughout this dispensation. So if it was wrong in the first century, if gay marriage was wrong in the first century, and women preaching from the pulpit was wrong in the first century, because the Bible said that it was, well, the Bible hadn't changed. So God's view of it hadn't changed. He, didn't, he hadn't changed what the Bible says. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. You know, another thing that people, a lot of people who claim to be Christians, they'll say the Bible's out of date on, is the Bible teaching that wives should be subject to their husbands. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. But because of the women's liberation movement, a lot of people who claim to be Christians, they claim to be believers, they claim to believe in the Bible, they say that's out of date. Today in our culture, the women, the wives don't need to be subject to their husbands. So they're in effect saying the Bible's out of date. We mentioned people who ch want to change the Lord's Supper for bread and grape juice to fried chicken and coke. They, want, they think it ought to change because the Bible's out of date. No, wives are still supposed to be in subjection to their husbands because this verse says it. 
And God's word hasn't changed any in the last 2,000 years. Herb from Kentucky. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, what I wanted to ask you was uh, how we should treat differently, if at all, the things that Christ says and the things that actually come from Paul. For example, what you just quoted about uh, women speaking in church, it was, it was Paul who said that. So uh, how much authority does Paul have in terms of the way we practice in church today? Yeah, that's a very good question. Herb, I want to draw your attention to John sixteen thirteen. Do you have your Bible in front of you? Well, I'm actually driving a semi right now. Okay, I understand. I'm, I understand. Let me okay. read to you John sixteen thirteen. This is said, Jesus says this, right before he dies, he knows he's about to die, be resurrected, and then ascend up to heaven. And he says in John sixteen thirteen, he says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So Jesus, right before he leaves this earth, he's promising that, that the Holy Spirit is going to guide the apostles into all the truth. So that later, when Paul wrote books of the Bible, he wrote 12 or 13 books of the Bible, it wasn't just Paul speaking. He was being guided by the Holy Spirit. God wrote... All of the Bible, all the 27 books of the New Testament. So though Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John quote directly Jesus while he was on earth, the other books in the New Testament are just as authoritative because those are books that are inspired by God, the, the Holy Spirit. Do you follow what I'm saying, Herb, from uh, John 16, yes, 13? Yes, I do. I certainly now, do, and I appreciate that. But I wonder one other if I verse. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one other verse to respond to your question. This passage in particular about women speaking in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35, that it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Two or three verses later, Paul says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So even though it's not in red letters in our Bibles, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is saying right. this command that the women are not to speak in the church and, and the other things that he wrote in this book are commandments of the Lord. So they're just as authoritative if they're in the books between Acts and Revelation as if they're if these instructions are found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all from God, so we have to obey it. Now, Herb, you go ahead with so, your comment. Well, yeah, that's basically what I was going to ask is why does Paul sometimes precede what he's going to say with I speak not by commandment, but of myself. He makes well, that distinction. Where does he make that distinction, are you talking about? Well, you know, like I said, I'm driving. I, I don't have any way to look it up. Uh, okay. I recently read in, in one of his books, he specifically, when he was advising one of the churches that he wrote to, he would specifically say, I speak not by commandment, but of myself. Okay, In other words, you're it probably to me like he was saying it was his opinion. But you're probably referring to a text like 1 Corinthians seven verse twelve. It's not the exact same wording, but it's almost what you said. He says, "But to the rest speak I, not the Lord." Okay, 1 Corinthians seven verse twelve. That's in contrast to what he says in verse ten. Unto the married I command yet not I, but the Lord. 
let not the wife depart from her husband. And what he's doing there, Herb, when he says in verse 10 that the Lord said it, not just me, he's talking about the Lord said it while he was on earth. And when he says, to the rest speak I, not the Lord, he's saying that not that it's, uh, not that it's just Paul's opinion or not that this is not inspired of God, but that Jesus didn't say it while he was on the earth, and this is just through the inspiration of God later. So it's not, Paul is not saying there in verse 12 that what he's saying is not inspired, it's not from God. He's just saying that Jesus didn't say it while he was on the earth. You follow me, Herb? I sure do, and I appreciate your answer. Herb, hope we can talk to you again, and thank you for your call. Thank you. All right. Alicia from Minnesota, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hello? Hey, Alicia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, um, my question is um, how wives are supposed to submit um, to their husbands. Um, What if your husband is an alcoholic and struggles to consistently be the leader, a Christian leader for the home? Well... What you have to do, it's the same way with any authoritative figure. We have to obey the laws of the land, like I'm talking about, things like the speed limit and things like that. I'm talking about the laws of the land. Whenever they don't conflict with the laws of God, right? Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5.22, which I read before, says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Okay? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, what the wife has to do is submit to her husband and obey her husband as long as her husband is not telling her to do something that runs contrary to what the Word of God says. And we see that in a passage like, Alicia, Acts 5.29. When the the authorities were trying to get Peter and the other apostles to quit preaching, Peter said in Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than men. So the apostles and the disciples would obey the authorities as long as, the, for example, the government law was telling them to do something that didn't run contrary to what the Word of God said. But okay. when they said, you've got to stop preaching, Peter says, no, we can't do that because the, God says we've got to keep preaching. So the wife would submit to her husband. But if she has a husband that's not a very good husband like you described, then when he mm-hmm. tells her to do something that's contrary to God's word, she couldn't do that. She's got a God is her authority over her husband. Okay? Yes. Does that okay. make sense, Alicia? Yes, that does. But the main point, to, the reason I brought that up is, though, is that the people, a lot of people who claim to be Christians are saying the Bible is out of date. because, And I think because of the women's liberation movement, they're saying wives never have to be subject to their husbands. Even if they had the best husband in the history of the world, they're not to Mm. submit to their husbands because that was a teaching that was just good for that time. But today, culture has changed. Wives aren't to be submissive to their husbands. And so they say passages like Ephesians 5.22 are just outdated. They don't apply anymore. The point of the lesson tonight is the Bible is not outdated. Ephesians 5.22 is still true today. And if a husband tells you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God, don't do it. But as... But... As a general rule, the wife is still supposed to be submit submit to her husband because the Bible's not out of date. You see what I mean, okay. Alicia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was written for this whole this the New Testament is intended for this whole dispensation. Do you have any other questions before you hang up, Alicia? Um, no, I think that's it. 
Okay. The, the answer to your you. question is obey. Wife is to obey her husband. If he tells her to do something contrary to the word of God, what if he tells her not to go to church? She's got to disobey mm-hmm. that and go to church, okay? Right. Yeah. Thanks for your call, Alicia. Thank, thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Right. We've got about five more minutes on the, this program. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number is 877-655-6755. You know, perhaps the most egregious illustration of believers thinking the Bible is not relevant to today's society is the subject of modest dress. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 reads this way. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Knowing what the Bible says about modest dress in this verse and in other places, and knowing what the Bible says about lusting after the opposite sex in Matthew 5.28, why would any Christian young lady want to go to the beach in a bikini? But many of them do. Evidently, they think what the Bible teaches on modest dress is out of date. They The reasoning would be like, well, I know in the Bible times, the Bible taught women, and men also, needed to be dressed modestly. But that's just the way people dressed back then. Now it's okay for a young lady, even a Christian young lady, to dress in a bikini. They don't have to obey these verses that talk about modest dress. Oh, the Bible's just out of date on that. They had modest clothing back then, but that's, that's out of style now. We don't have to do that. No, the Bible's not out of date. When it tells the young woman or the man... To dress modestly, it still means that. And so when a woman dresses like that, what we're talking about in a bathing suit, totally immodest, clothing that's designed to get young men to lust after her, which would violate Matthew 5.28, she's in violation of God's law. And when you violate God's law, that's sin. And we can't make this excuse that the Bible is out of date. It's not out of date. God wrote his law to last for this whole dispensation not to change with culture. First Peter chapter 1 verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So the word of, of the Lord endures forever. It's not going to go out of date because of culture. Let's see if we can get one more call in. M- M- Mariah from Kentucky. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, yes, sir. Um, I am really longing to find a Bible. Uh, I know, like, there's the King James Version, which is what mm-hmm. I was raised in, raised on. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as for myself, as an adult, trying to read it and learn from it, it is hard to understand with the biblical uh, writing, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but... I'm it's really hard to understand to because would be a good... okay, the King, old King James version has a lot of archaic words where the words have changed, the meaning of the words have changed, right? So it makes it hard to understand, right? All the these and the vowels and the things, right? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> so Mariah, what I would recommend for you, you're used to the King James. The King James version is one of the most accurate translations out there. I would recommend right. using the New King James version. It's like the old King James, what you're used to, and it's very accurate. But all those these and thous and archaic words have been changed and modernized so that you can understand it a lot easier. The New King James Version, okay? Okay. That's what I would recommend yeah, that, for you. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, if you call me, maybe we can get in contact with each other after the program, and maybe I can get 
I can get you a new King James Version of the Bible, okay? Okay. Well, I would okay. appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have, have a good evening. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. So we're to go after the old paths. What the Bible teaches. It's not out of date. This is The Bible is 2,000 years old, but it's what God intended for then, and it's what he intended for now. It's not out of date. We need to follow what God's Word says. I mention usually at the end of the program that if you would like to participate with me in a free one-hour phone Bible study, I'd love to do that with you. You just call or text me. And then we'll arrange a time that's good for you to do a free one-hour phone Bible study. You and I will study the Bible together free of charge for one hour by the phone. The number to call or text is 256-682-9753. 256-682-9753.